Aloha and welcome to the sacred. Thank you for taking the time to do something for yourself today. You are entering a space that is here to help shed our old stories, to heal our hearts, to hold space and love each other, and to help create the world and life that we all dream of. Let us thank our ancestors and our children's children, those who have walked before and are yet to come, our Mother Earth, Father Sun, Grandmother Moon, the Star Nations and Great Spirit, the Unnameable One, thank you for bringing us together and allowing us to sing the Song of Life. Please sit down, relax and enjoy yourself and thank you for listening to this podcast. Aloha and welcome to the sacred. My name is Emma, for those of you that have never listened to the Sacreds podcast before, and this is episode 47. What I like to do before we come into the moment and into the podcast is I like to get together with all of us and we're going to take in three deep breaths. So if it is safe for you to do so, if you are not driving and you can close your eyes, I really encourage you to close them. And just come into your body, come into your heart, just come into this moment. We're going to connect with our breath, which is the essence of life. It is the present. So we're going to take a deep breath in through our nose. And out through our mouth. And again. And again. Beautiful. I just want to take a moment to really acknowledge and thank you for joining me this week on this podcast, for honoring yourself in this moment and taking the time out to connect and to listen. This is a sacred space and I'm so grateful and honored that you take the time out to listen. If you are loving what I'm recording, I would love to get a review on iTunes or on the website, either one, um, just to get the just to get the podcast out to more and more people. It's just the only way that it can be advertised really besides Instagram and it is a pop, like a complete labor of love. So I would love to get it out there to more people if you're enjoying it, share it with your friends and yeah, chuck a review on iTunes if you can. This week has been an amazing week for me. I am currently in the second round of the Align Group. I am one of the, I wouldn't say coaches, but one of the guiding coaches. So maybe like the next level down. (laughs) Uh, And I am helping the girls in that group move through it. And whenever you're doing that kind of work, it opens you up to what's going on in your life. So it's been beautiful to be connected to myself and to realize the work that I have to do currently in my life. And I've been feeling really called to connect more with my feminine energy, my femininity, my sexuality, all of that kind of stuff. So it's been amazing, 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 amazing experience. If you ever interested in doing the Align course or connecting with me as a coach, I'd love to hear from you. You can always send me an email, emma at thesacred.com.au or if you'd like a reading or just a one-off session as well, they're all available. I am actually going to start doing weekly gatherings here on the Sunshine Coast. They will be all over the Sunshine Coast, not just down the Moffat Caloundra end. My cacao ceremonies will be at Moffat, and the next one is on the 18th of April um, because we've got the Good Friday, the Easter long weekend when the full moon is. It is the second full moon in Libra for this year, and it will be a powerful full moon because of that. It will really be dealing with anything that you didn't deal with from the last Libra and full moon, which was the last supermoon of the year that we just had. So if you're interested in connecting with the plant medicine of cacao, I would love to have you there. It is a beautiful, magical healing night. I would love to have you come along to it. So all the details for that are in the link in my bio um, and on the website etc tickets are limited is it a limited space so if you're interested and you're wanting to come along either dm me or buy a ticket as soon as you can i am also and then the rest of the workshops will come up through either my instagram or on 
the website as well as I organize spaces. But I've been feeling really called to start getting together with women every week and just creating space for conversation. I, I'm also interested in getting men on, especially after this week's guest that I've got on, which is Michael McPherson. He is one of the co-supporters, the co-bringers of cacao drinking chocolate, the most amazing cacao, ceremonial cacao that I've ever experienced. Um, it is phenomenon. It is phenomenal. It is a non-for-profit. All of the money goes straight back to the farmers. It's amazing. So if you're interested in ever getting anything like that and following them along, all the details for Michael and Mackenzie and Cacao will be in the show notes. And all the details to connect with their, this magnificent man, Michael McPherson, will be available in the show notes, on iTunes, on the website, and everything. We talk all things men, sexuality, we go into the porn industry, we talk about divine union we talk about so many good things it was such a beautiful conversation an easy flowing conversation and i'm so excited to bring you on board with him he is oh such a man such a mighty mighty man and here he is michael mcpherson I have the most amazing man on this week's podcast, Michael McPherson. He is one of the, I don't know how to explain what you guys do with cacao drinking chocolate, but he is one of the bringers of source, I guess, bringers of plant medicine to of cacao drinking chocolate. He also has his own podcast, Humanity, and he works with his partner, Mackenzie, on helping people connect with their hearts, opening up and connecting back with who they really are and remembering that. So I'm so excited to have you on this week, Michael. I'm so excited to be here and I'm genuinely grateful to be a part of your space, be a part of your community and get to share with my voice what's coming through us here and now. So Beautiful, beautiful. So I thought with Mackenzie, I kind of spoke a little bit first about how she started her journey. So what, give, give us a little bit of a background story to Michael McPherson. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I don't know how far back you want to go, but by the time I had come into union with Mackenzie, which is right around the same time I was introduced to cacao, she was actually the one that served me my very first cup. I, yeah. We joke around about it being like um, manipulation in a way, like she gave me a <laughs> cup of cacao, my heart opened. We were sitting on the couch together, and that's when I actually spoke for the first time about my feelings for her and, and shared them with her. So it was like she knew about it. I was just getting introduced. I didn't even know what was happening, but there we were. But I'm picturing yeah. her with like a little cauldron making her cacao. I'll fall in love with me. <laughs> a very special brew, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was it was super sacred how it, it all unfolded. And really that was my introduction to cacao, which is super sacred and super special. The first time I ever had ceremonial drinking cacao is when I expressed my feelings to my beloved. So for me, that's always going to have just a super special and sacred place in my heart, you know? Definitely. Um, since then, or once we came into union, we jumped in pretty quickly together. So I moved to Southern California from Phoenix within about a week and a half. And during that time, I completed what I was up to prior to uh, cacao, which was I was a real estate agent. I was a coach. I was leading personal and professional development programs with a company called Landmark. I had a network marketing business that I was operating, a big team that I was a part of. Um, and a lot of other different things that were here and there. And I essentially took all those things and completed them. I wiped them off my slate because when I came into union with McKenzie, it was a really, it was a turning point for me. Mm. It was when I really chose what was in alignment for me and also chose to complete what wasn't. And while I got rid of those things and completed them with integrity, I also completed a relationship previous to a romantic relationship previous to coming into union with Mackenzie. So by the time we got together, I had nothing. <laughs> I, I had nothing but stillness 
which mm. I didn't realize later was a tremendous gift for me because it forced me to be with myself in a way that I hadn't before mm. be with my own body in a way that I hadn't before and especially my emotional body and of course that was all going hand in hand with my daily cacao ceremony so every morning I was sitting with my cup of cacao and learning how to reconnect with my heart reconnect with my emotion mm. and communicate on behalf of my emotion rather than just on behalf of my mind so that was beautiful. And then one day, seemingly out of nowhere, cacao, the entity, then the spirit of cacao started speaking to me and asking me to research how essentially to make chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And so if you would have told me that that's what I would be doing a year or two years prior to that time, I would have called you crazy and genuinely <laughs> believed that. But how it unfolded is that they started speaking to me. I started researching and then lo and behold, McKinsey and I went on this journey together where we developed this brand new manufacturing process, which has now become the manufacturing process for cacao ceremony, drinking chocolate, the nonprofit, and has now even on a wider scale become the manufacturing process that's now happening in Peru. So it's magic. Yeah, from then it was like we were hand in hand, you know, and you were looking for the word. We are co-channels. So I'm not a founder. I didn't create cacao, but mm. for some time her and I were co-channeling cacao. Mm. And um, that was just really beautiful and really tremendous and, and a really special uh, experience to have, especially stepping into union newly to get mm. to share that with Mackenzie. You get to work together on a project like that was it's just magic. It really is. It's something that I actually, from you just talking about just then, I've never really thought about it this way because I obviously I'm a woman and I work a lot with women. How is it for a man to create that stillness in a world where especially as men, like women feel it too, but I think men are more told that they need to hustle, hustle, hustle. You need to work this way to provide for your family. To You need to look a certain way. You need to like, the image of a man is that image is like a lion, like the protector, like the leader and all that stuff. How did you find letting go and letting stillness and connection with your heart? How was that for you? And how is it for you? It was extremely. Yeah. Now it's a totally different story because I've over time built a different relationship to it. But mm. at the time it was extremely challenging and it brought up a lot for me. Um, and my conditioning was for essentially 10 years prior to those moments, I was on the go, completely full schedule from one event to the next. And that was how I measured my value, measured my worthiness. Um, mm. I was just looking for another word, but it's not there. But that's essentially how I came to know myself as a go-getter, someone who's got a full schedule, don't have time for a lot of extracurricular things because look at all of what I'm up to. It's a source of pride. That was the word I was looking for. Mm. It actually, from my ego, it was a source of pride. And even though it wasn't even necessarily attached to the results of those things, it was just the fact that I had a full schedule. And I could say that to people, you know, especially when you interact with people and you ask them like, oh, how are you busy? Uh, what's going on in your life? Oh, I'm just really busy right now. And that was me. Like my response to every inquiry was busy. And so for 10 years, I ran chasing my tail, doing all different kinds of things and thinking and believing for myself that that was the pinnacle of masculinity or something that deemed me as a successful man. And it did in many ways because I certainly received validation from the other men in my life, from my family. Um, from friends that saw all that I was up to and they were inspired by it. But for me, I was like drained. I was completely drained on the inside. And in fact, there was a point where I feel like caffeine was really the only thing that was keeping me, uh, was allowing me to continue to operate on such a quote unquote high level. It really wasn't high level. It was just a lot, but it was the only thing that was basically keeping me going. So when it came time for me to be with myself, I was extremely uncomfortable. And I remember um, just sharing with Mackenzie, we were having very open and honest conversations, just saying like, yeah, I just feel worthless. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm not contributing. I feel like I'm certainly not like fulfilling my purpose because I'm not really doing anything. Um, and what it ultimately came down to for me was this sense of disappointing God or disappointing source or whatever name you want to give to it. Like I am a disappointment to God because I am not doing and being all that I came here to do and be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of times for men, the most challenging thing to wrap their mind and hearts around is the idea that sometimes what we came here to do is heal or be still or reconnect with our hearts, reconnect with our bodies. And actually mother earth wants to compensate us for that work because even though external progress is valuable, technological advances, all these different advancements we make as a society, those are all extremely valuable and important. The real work and everybody knows this, the real work is inside. Mm. Mm. And we have for men, I feel like it's so important for us to take on that. That's actually real. Mm that the work we do within ourselves for ourselves is really work that we do for everyone we do on the, on behalf of the collective of humanity. And therefore that is a means for us to receive and receiving from it is a, a whole nother story. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like I even was just thinking what came to me just then was men are so typically focused on what, they can see so what is on the outside of things and that's how they're taught to be as well so what can everyone see of you as a man and they don't ever really get taught to go inwards and connect with those feelings um they get taught to abolish them and squish them down and just keep going yeah i guess because of your story you feel a strong connection to connect men to the divine masculine as well as the feminine and to really get them to learn to listen to that masculine energy that's inside that's wanting to scream mm. out at them to stop. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think what's unique to the work that I do with men is I'm actually really inspired to have men be introduced to and interact with and learn to embody their own divine feminine. Mm. And it's my personal belief that it's actually through the embodiment of the divine feminine that we actually, as men, learn to embody the true divine masculine because the divine masculine is here to support and protect the feminine. But if we don't actually know what the feminine feels like, if we've never actually experienced that, then how can our masculine go to work in serving that? How can it serve its purpose? So... I'm especially connected to connecting men to their hearts, to their emotional bodies, because I feel like that's the access point for allowing for the true divine masculine to show up in its purest essence. Mm, The gateway. It's the gateway. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Um, Because for so long, even us as women have been taught that our strengths are our weaknesses, our vulnerability, our sensitivity, and men have been taught the same. So with your work, what are you visioning for that? Like, what are you doing with that at the moment with your work with men in the world? Yeah. Well, I I just completed a six-week huddle accelerator program where I had some men all together in a huddle and we were meeting every week and going over high-vibe topics. We talked about sacred sexuality. We talked about abundance, romantic union. We just dove right into everything. Um, And that was a profound experience for me because I actually got to learn about myself. That was the first program I had ever led or been responsible for relaying information to other people that was my own something that I created so I actually learned where I thrive is one-on-one with men Mm. heart to heart face to face and whether that's virtually over something like zoom or whether that's in person chest to chest doesn't really matter but I have found for myself that I actually have the ability to communicate and it's not like it's a an active process, but communicate and interact with somebody's soul. Like um, I can hear guidances from their soul, from their higher being. And then I can bring that through in a conversation with someone. Cause we have all different kinds of relationships that are happening all at the same time, you know, human to human, human to soul, soul to human, human to inner child, adult to inner child, so many different relationships happening all at once. Right. Yeah. So 
when I started to dive into that work for myself, they kind of all started to separate and I could see where I really shine and it's one-on-one because I hear those intuitive guidances. I feel it in my body. The intuition comes through me, which is my embodiment of my own divine feminine, allowing for the intuition of my body to reveal to me its wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I really love. Um, at least once a month, sometimes once a week, I host community gatherings, which I call Humanity Huddle. And basically, that's a space for any amount of men to just jump in on a Zoom call like this together and explore what's on. Sometimes I bring topics to the call, like this past week topic was heartbreak. Mm. And across the board, it resonated so deeply with every man that was on that call because it's like, as men, we've all experienced a genuine heartbreak, but how many of us have actually allowed ourselves to feel it? deeply to the point where it's it's free to move through us Mm. most of us stuffed it down a long time ago to the point where we barely know it's even there um so i love in a sense just like picking men up off the streets throwing them in a group together and then just bringing these high vibe conversation and seeing what shows up in that space and for me the huddle community is not a space for me to dictate or teach it's really to open a conversation and then invite people forward to share. And I have found that it's been a really profound way to create community, to create genuine brotherhood where it's like, I am not your teacher or your guru and vice versa. You are not that for me. We're here as equals sharing a life experience, sharing our hearts. And man, the bond that gets built there is, is profound. Huge. So, so huge. Those are some things. I'm in the process of, I'm 40,000 words into a book, 40,000 words into a book right now. That's uh, basically a blueprint, a new blueprint for uh, male sexuality. So I share a little bit about my story of coming into my sexual maturity or immaturity, depending on how you want to look at it. And then I explore topics in this book that um, are essentially like the new way of sexuality, the higher energies, higher frequencies of sex, what the real purpose of it is, and how we can embody that as men and bring that to the table. So. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love that. I just feel that, oh, for, there is women's circles and there's always that kind of stuff for women, but we need our men to also be doing the same thing. And what you're doing at the moment is just amazing, Michael, like mm-hmm. amazing, especially with the sexuality relationship talk because men mm-hmm. learn so much about sexuality through the porn industry through something that's so marketed and misinformed and then they carry that into their relationships through the rest of their lives having these expectations and everything like that and they never get to heal through sex or connect properly through sex and enjoy proper spiritual orgasmic sexual experiences with their partners because they have one view that they've been shown Um, that's right it's just incredible yeah, the deeper I've gone, everything you said is true, by the way, 100%. And the deeper I've gone, I've realized that there's even a, a difference between um, our ability to engage in sacred sex, but also our ability to have a relationship with our own sex energy. So whether we're in the act of sex or not, or whether we're in the act of creating or just out in the world, having conscious control and awareness of our sex energy and where we're directing it to, because that is both men and women, really the, the most creative power that we have. Mm-hmm. So to be able to channel that consciously towards things we actually really care about rather than giving it out freely, unconsciously, not even knowing, passing it out here and there, and then wondering why we're so depleted by the mm-hmm. end of our day. Um, I think is so key and it's a new conversation that I, I have yet to experience happening, at least in the men's communities that I'm a part of. So, Oh, it, it is. It definitely is. Um, I've, it's actually been coming up in my women's communities more and more and more, the conversation of sex and women's blockages that they have, but mm. men have the exact same things that are happening to them. And it's so interesting that you talk about it as being creative because it is that energy. It's that creation energy. It's where life comes from. And then you've got cacao and sex. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You open your heart and then you set sacred space and you, you come together. That experience. Yeah. Oh, Imagine 
the way you can like the way it can evolve and where you can come from there it's just limitless isn't 100%. it mm. yeah i tell all the men that i work with and all the groups that i host i always invite them to have cacao beforehand because it's a profound heart opener and it'll tap them into their emotional body and it's so important especially for men when we're you know chiseling open the masculine heart and the male heart sometimes it's it can be pretty challenging but what i have found is it's actually the container like when you create a container for men mm. and you don't try to i mean one of my shadows is force i i used to love forcing people into like having a spiritual realization or basically like beat them with it until they get it which only made them hate me yeah. <laughs> so so I learned to give it up, but I love now just creating the container and allowing for them to have the realization because that's what's empowering for them yeah. to, you know. Mm. But yeah, this this conversation around sexuality is so key and it, it's also connected to our innocence as men. And we are, our sexuality and our sex energy is completely innocent. And for most of us, if we remember the first time that we discovered it, it was really an innocent moment. You know, mm. I remember the first time that I ever masturbated. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. All I knew was I was intuitively, my body was inspired to do this. And then it started to feel really good. And then when it happened, I was like, oh my God, I literally thought that I had discovered magic. You know, at that moment, it was yeah. like magic is real. How could I possibly feel this good and magic not be real, you know? But then, and then it's like where we go from there is where our trouble lies. Like you said, we typically get hooked into an industry that's a, a multi-billion dollar industry, a hundred billion dollar industry that's designed by its very nature to hook not only our brain chemistry, but our sex energy into its system and keep us coming back for more and that's where men for the most part learn about sex that's where i learned about sex. same yeah if you know anything about the, the porn industry it's a profound teacher of the wrong ways or inappropriate ways to approach sex and sexuality so there is this like road to recovery for a lot of men that looks like yes um cutting out porn or yes quitting porn but also on, on a bigger scale reconnecting with our innocence that was essentially stolen from us mm. you know the internet was born at around 1990 the internet as we know it the world wide web i was born in 1989 so the stage was set i'm almost 30 years old and a lot of the men that i work with are around my age so we stepped into we were the first generation to experience the availability of internet porn the way we have mm. and it's only now 30 years later that we're even able to measure scientifically measure the impact that that's had on mm. human brain chemistry and so yeah there's just a huge story a, a huge reconciliation to have there initially with ourselves with our own innocence and then for all the ways we've denied our own innocence sexually over the course of our years you know all the things that we carry shame and guilt around and then reclaiming our innocence for ourselves, our innocent heart our innocent sexuality the innocence with which we discover our sexuality and allowing that to infuse our creations both our innocence and our heart to infuse all of our creations whether it's in the bedroom or whether it's out in the world so amazing i actually only realized yesterday i was reading something that talks about the fact that one, I don't remember which one it was, but one of the porn streaming sites is the third biggest streaming site in the world next to Netflix and Google. And it was just crazy yeah. to think that that many people are sitting on there all the time, just filling their minds with that. And I think it's because mm -hmm. sex has become something that's so taboo, so covered up, so not yeah. seen. Your parents have sex in their room with their doors closed. They don't talk to you about it. You don't talk to them right. about it. So the first mm -hmm. time that you masturbate and something happens, you don't have anywhere to go. You That's can't right. go and tell your mom and dad, this is what just happened to me. What, are, what is this? And they haven't taught you that beforehand. And so you right. go on the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it appears to be a safe place to yeah. explore something on your own without being at the ridicule of others, without embarrassing yourself. So it's like a place to go, a place to land, a safe place. 
to land to explore something further in private until you've got some sense of confidence around it. Um, I, I know that's what it was for me because I never, my parents never had the sex talk with me. God bless them. <laughs> they never had the sex talk with me. And um, I certainly didn't feel brave enough to bring it up with them, nor did I want to, you know, so that was certainly the avenue that I went down and the, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think when you think of like lifelong habits, right. For some people it's coffee, maybe smoking, um, maybe something else. But for men, my age to have a 10, 15 year habit of an everyday activity and to think that that's not influencing your everyday reality is just insane. It's mm. actually carving neurological pathways in our brain, defined neurological pathways in our brain. Mm. And, and so many other things on a physiology or a physiological level. Um, but yeah, it's pretty wild. It's huge. And it is something that I find that the only thing that can change that is by talking fluidly about it and letting mm -hmm. go of the embarrassment of sex, of the taboo around it, and not having it all hidden away in the shadows and talking about it as being a form of love, not of that's right. This is just what you do. Like this is just about getting off and le that's it kind of thing. It's yeah. it's about love, even just love for yourself. That's what self-pleasure is meant to be about, like connecting with yourself and with your heart. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a form of prayer. I mean, at the highest level, it's a form of prayer. You're channeling unconditional love. Mm. And whether you're doing that through devotion towards another or devotion towards yourself, it's all this Mm. and that frequency our sex energy expands outward from our aura from our body and is a blessing for the world um we talk about channeling our sex energy the most creative power in the world will imagine our sex energy truly going to work for love and at the peak of these experiences when we're completely in tune with it we introduce something like love or peace for every human heart mm -hmm. you know the end of war for all people people coming to a sense of true unity mm -hmm turning inward and really getting to know themselves. When we introduce something like that into our, whether it's our sex space or our intimacy with ourselves, it is one of the greatest blessings we can give for the collective. Beautiful. But those things are seemingly so far apart, you know, sex, intimacy, and peace for all people mm. when really they're not, you know. Mm. Mm. And the exploration of it and oh, everything. There's so many levels there that you could dive deep into and keep going with. And it's just amazing. Have you found, have you brought it up in your men's groups yet in your, in with your huddles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, yeah. I bring it up pretty much, pretty much every time I have men together, I started this thing where I quit watching porn about two years ago, maybe like a little over two years ago. And it was life changing for me. And I felt so much freedom and so much creative energy. And I felt like I was finally devoting my energy towards the things I loved. And that has only snowballed since. And I'm becoming more creative over time and harnessing my creative energy even more so and channeling it even more specifically. And it's just like been this really profound and unique experience. And I love, absolutely love it. But when I first came upon this, I was so direct and I kind of have a reputation for being that way sometimes. So I would, men would come into my space or I'd host an online group and I'd just be like, all right, hands up for the people that are still watching porn. And it was like the first thing I would say, you know, so everybody's deer in headlights and, and they slowly raise their hands. And of course it's everybody. And I was actually shocked. Like when I first started exploring it, I was actually shocked at, you know, people who I looked at from afar even from up close and believe like these are really spiritual people these are people that are on the path to even see their hands go up i thought to myself like wow something is we're missing something here mm. you know something is wildly missing for this to be happening and so i bring it up pretty much every chance that i get and i no longer have discomfort around it so when other people do i just hold it and allow them to express any discomfort that might be there and then really look and have an honest look at it because sometimes you need that really stern, loving, but direct masculine voice to be like, Hey, hey 
I, I know you and I know that you know that that's not serving you anymore. Mm. And then have that be enough. Mm. It's like, let's turn the page. We both know it's time. And for men my age, especially around 30, mid 20s, 30 years old, we're, we are genuinely looking for true intimacy mm. at this point. You know, it's no longer about our superficial sexual desires. We're actually longing for true intimacy, for true union. But we're only now discovering the bravery within ourselves to claim it for ourselves, to be able to say, yes, that is true for me. And I'd like to start that journey for myself. Mm. So, Even just like what you said, it's just creating that container for the conversation where you can feel safe to talk about it, how that might make you feel when you watch porn or what's going on with you there and just 100%. creating a conversation. It doesn't have to be you're wrong for doing that. It just has to be planting That's a little right. seed of thought in their head that they can then walk away with and work with through themselves. And Yeah. yeah. That's where we have the space holder as the masculine and we have the compassionate heart as the feminine. They're both working together. Mm. compassion is I understand I've been there I get it both on a physiological level and on an emotional level mm. the burden of guilt and shame you know so mm. especially when we have an addiction whatever addiction it is until we yeah. actually walk away and sit with it and go oh why did I just do that that actually doesn't make me feel good because you don't really necessarily realize it in the moment or afterwards because it's such a habit you're addicted mm -hmm. to it and so when you um, have more awareness about that, then you think about it more and you become more involved in the energy that it's around. You can decide yeah. if it doesn't, if it serves you any longer and go, why do I continue to do something that's not helping me? Yeah. Yeah. It actually makes you feel worse for a while. Your awareness <laughs> expands and then you're still doing this act and you're like, man, I feel even worse. Now, I remember like <laughs> towards the end, I was like, every time I would do it, I, I would feel so bad afterwards. And I'd be like, that's the last time you know i'd have i'd have such a heavy heart and i'd feel so much guilt and so much shame like because the me that i know myself to be is is not that but yeah so i definitely understand that it's like when the awareness initially expands the almost like the guilt and shame expands as well because you're more aware of it rather than unaware mm. do you think too with men it helps to connect then with then like what you just said before with their divine feminine to then allow compassion to come in. It's okay. It's an addiction that you've had for a really long time. We need to work out a plan so you don't do this again. Instead of being like, you shouldn't have done that. You're stupid. Why did you do that again? And men tend yeah. to have a lot of that kind of talk go yeah. on. Yeah. That's, you know, compassion. I mean, that's a tough one. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, it's so simple to understand, but for a man and that has essentially no emotional development to access compassion, at least initially isn't going to happen. It, it takes from my perspective, somebody role modeling that to them. And that's the role that I desire to play right now is, is to role model compassion to my brother and in doing so, one, reveal to him that compassion is appropriate and necessary for the situation. You're worthy of it. And that, yes, you have the ability to access this within yourself. Mm. Mm. It's, it's so empowering, especially coming from another man instead of mm -hmm. it being from a woman. I think, right. I don't know, for my partner, if I show too much compassion to me, it actually annoys him and he'll be like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Like, but if it comes from a man, it's different because he's like, oh, you actually understand, you get it. Like, right. we're the same. They can see that we're the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I, I've learned compassion through my license, but I learned it especially within divine union. So it really was Mackenzie in many ways and circumstances that was reflecting compassion back to me. Mm. And so she was essentially my role model. And so I learned from her what compassion looks and feels like to then take it out for myself. Mm. And of course it started to come in other areas in my work with plant medicines. Um, and just as my spiritual experience, my work with the gene keys continued to expand these new resources kept coming in. Um, 
it became more of a part of me, something I was willing to access and then not only offer it for myself, but turn it outward and, and offer it to her and everyone else in my life, you know, mm. especially the men that I work with now. But it's that's tough. I really do believe, especially for men, because we don't have role models, especially in the beginning when we need them most. So to see that being reflected back to you from another man, it's like, it just, it, it does something. It's like, mm. okay, clearly I know nothing about life. So I'll start there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, can totally, totally. Because you've got to heal that father relationship too. that whole. Right. Yeah. And that's just going to be generations going forward. If we can heal the men now that are having babies or haven't had babies yet, yeah. then impact their sons and their daughters forward of what a man in his wholeness looks like not just in his part like part of him the half of him totally and i love um that you and Mackenzie both use the word union when you talk about the two of you coming together i really love that because i think there's such a thing that we see especially in romantic movies that whole you complete me kind of thing but it's you've completed yourselves and then you've come together it's a union it's not a completion it's not the other half necessarily Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah well yeah it is it is much different than the movie was movies would have a <laughs> yeah. belief that's certainly true but it's it's far more profound mm. so even when Mackenzie and I came into union with one another we were already in fact complete but at the same time incomplete mm. but where society tells us or where our romanticism tells us that we come into union to be one whole person. It's actually, when we come into divine union, our partner becomes our most profound and greatest mirror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they mirror to us all the incomplete aspects of ourselves. So if we take it on in that way, which can be extremely challenging at times because you have to go through ego death after ego death, initiation after initiation. But if we take it on that way, then we have a constant mirror inviting us to look back inside at the unfinished parts of us to then finish them, to complete them. So it is actually coming into union with one another that has this process happen, you know, this mm. swirling twin flame ship that has each one of you come into your own wholeness. Mm. But it's not, a, it's not something that just happens unconsciously. Mm. You have to choose it. You have to allow your partner to reflect those things back to you. And you have to take it on. Like, I, I have to take it on every day that Mackenzie is my greatest spiritual teacher. Mm. You do. You, know? you really have to drop that ego and that story of I know better than you. I'm all of that stuff that comes into it. And it, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. And then other times it's the greatest. I mean, 99% of the time, it's the greatest bliss I've ever experienced in my life, mm. you know? Mm. And that 1% will send you kicking and screaming to the depths of your shadows. <laughs> <laughs> it so will. It yeah. definitely will. But it's beautiful yeah. in that space, too, when you're in the depth of your shadows, you're not, you know that you're held by love, by the greatest love. So even yeah. though you know in this moment, I don't want to see that in myself, I don't mm-hmm. want to see this thing. I know that when I come out of it, you'll still be there to hold me in that space of love, in that yeah. union. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why I feel when we do come into union with somebody, it's so valuable and important to actually create what I call sacred contracts. Mm. Create the agreements, the promises for the relationship. So when things like that do show up where you are brought to your very core wounds, that there is that agreement that we are being mirrored something, we're being shown something, we're meant to embrace our shadows, to learn from them, to receive the gifts from it, and not just peace out and run the opposite way and be like, yeah, you're crazy, this is messed up, I'm out, because that's what a lot of people do when they miss out on the opportunity of union. Mm. You know, it's all divine, it's part of a greater plan, but... Yeah, there's there's nothing, no medicine that I've experienced that no. holds a greater gift or a greater reward than divine union, really. Uh, I believe that 100% as well. I believe it so much. I um, 
think it's obviously where marriage originally comes from is that divine union and the form of marriage. And we've just kind of lost our way along the way about what that means in society. And like you just said, we get, it gets hard and we run and that's not necessarily wrong or anything like that. Cause sometimes people are only in our lives for a small time and that's okay as well. Totally. Um, But yeah. Mm. It's it's really about working on you in your relationship, but also besides beside it and before it as well. I think Mm -hmm. I know like as a woman, I was always taught that I find a man and then I kind of follow him along Mm -hmm. Um, instead of it being that we find, I find myself and then Mm. we do our journey. We go through our journey together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I have a long history of hitching my wagon to my partner and their life and creating my life around it. Mm. And then of course that made the separation or the breaking up that much more challenging. But inevitably over time that broke me enough to crack me open and have me start to sort things out for myself. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really common. And you know, all of our relationships are reflections, not only our divine union, but the divine union is actually the, the one that we have the most interaction with the most face time with it's, mm. it's our greatest relationship in that sense. And then we, we have kids and children and their mirrors as well. I'm sure yes. you know that also well, <laughs> um, they are. but yeah, it's, it's this. And then I, I still experience it even with people that are in marriages, it's this fight or flight tendency to turn and run, but you're not actually running from your beloved. You're running from the, mm. yourself. You're brought to a place where you're at the source of something. And at that moment, you have a, an opportunity to choose. You either choose to turn and face it and embrace a part of yourself that so far you've denied. Mm. A shadow, really, because we deny our shadows. Because you know, who wants to love shadows? They're nasty little things. Yeah. But they're parts of us that are desiring love. Mm. Oh. So it's the opportunity to turn face it, embrace it, bring love to it, unconditional love, compassion, and then rise again in who we now are even more fully. Um, but yeah, it creates this intense fight or flight response. Mm. People don't, don't know yet through their own experience the opportunity that's really there because when we do face the shadow, when we do love our core wounds, I mean, that is the juice of life. Mm. That's, that's what came here to be. That's what our work really is. That's why we reincarnated into this lifetime. You know, we're taking our slice of karma. Mm. We're bringing love to it and we're giving it back. That's why we're here. The rest of it is just like for our pleasure and delight, you know? Yeah. All the stuff we're doing, creating, having fun with our friends. But really the work is the work and that's it. Mm. Oh, it's amazing. I actually had something come through to me this week that I just came to when I was, when you were talking about the shadow and it was often in this spiritual personal development world, people talk about ignoring your ego or squishing your ego. We're not dealing with like it's, which is kind of like your shadow, I guess that, that part of yourself that you want to deny. And something came up for me that said your ego can be cruel because we have been cruel to it. We have been denying it. We have been avoiding it and we have been pushing it away. And Mm -hmm. then it just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger the flame and it burns and burns instead of, (laughs) (laughs) instead of, yeah, it's like your house is burning down and you're like, Oh no, everything's fine. We're great. Nothing's happening here. What? Oh no, that's not, no, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah. That's not me. That was him. That was him that did that. Yeah. <laughs> you want to, no, yeah, and then you blame other people and like all of that stuff comes in because we mm-hmm. deny it and we're cruel to it and we tell it, that we tell ourselves that it's a negative in commas or a bad thing instead of it just being our work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and healing. it's, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just something to be aware of the way we, actually speak and treat ourselves in those moments when we're up against the core of our being Mm. our core wounds i should say Um, Mm. because we have to remember that the language that we use towards ourselves when we say like don't 
you know, for men, it's like, don't be a pussy. Come on, man up. Oh, God, do I really have to go through this again? Like, this is so stupid. What the F is going on here? Like, I'm just not going to do this again. Like, those conversations are not only heard by, one, our awareness, two, our ego, but it's also heard by the innocence within us. You know, there's a child inside of us that's listening to everything that we say to ourselves and being impacted by it genuinely. You know, our five or six-year-old self is still in there being impacted by everything we say to ourselves. So it's just, it's, I feel like it's valuable to remember that as those shadows, those ego things coming up, come up because it's like, just remember how you would actually speak to a child that's in your external world. You would never say those things to them. So don't say it to yourself. Mm. And that's that compassion, isn't it too, for yourself and understanding for yourself and that mother or father that comes in and says, it's all right. You can do better next time. What can we do to make it better next time? We'll deal with it better in the future for yourself. Yeah. 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 So you've got humanity going on as well, your podcast. How's that going? It was great. I, it's been um, We did three episodes like right off the bat, Mackenzie yeah. and I, and then we actually had this kind of strange experience happened where we were attempting to do more and we actually did. We created two more episodes, but it was just clear that we were being guided to look at something because there were like these little things that kept coming up inside of the space that we were recording in, which is right behind me. Um, there'd be like, um, you know, discomfort or we'd almost like become opposing forces mm. try, trying to um, like defend each person's perspective or belief. And then we're like having the awareness that we're doing that and being like, what on earth is going on? So, Ultimately, what ended up happening is we got the guidance that the podcast is meant to be my voice, you know, and Mackenzie has her own unique voice, something, you know, what she's here to speak into existence, what she's here to create from her heart center. And it's not aligned for her necessarily to be in this container and have to set that aside, Mm -hmm. her own voice, her, her own um, truth that she brings, that she channels, you know, so. I actually haven't created there's those initial three which is like the holy trinity of the beginning of humanity you know and then there I haven't created anything ever since because I haven't been guided to yet and I'm just waiting to get clarity from humanity on what if and what he wants me to do Mm. you know if he wants me to do a solo recording or if he wants me to be interviewed by another or if he wants me to have somebody on that I interview um so I'm just, I'm waiting for that clarity and more than anything, it's been so clear that he is desiring me to devote like 90% of my energy into the creation of this book. Mm. So that's where I've been focusing my creative energy. Love that because I think we can get so caught up, especially in this world of the moment, at the moment of posting certain things every day and I've got to have a podcast out and I've got to have this and the hustle, hustle, hustle that it just becomes about our ego and the way we look to everyone else and yeah. actually coming from that place of our hearts and yeah. where, when, what we're serve, what we're really trying to serve with too. So yeah. taking it's that just more out. distraction, mm. you know, it, mm. we're just filling space with something to stay relevant as opposed to bringing through um, what we're actually guided to. Mm. And you can tell the difference, you know, it, you can tell the difference by the way you feel when you interact with something, by the way you feel when you read something, you know, and that's okay because, you know, that's just where we're at right now. And that's a pretty socially accepted thing to do. But truly, I mean, even for a while, the beginning of humanity, when he was first born, I was so convinced, like, each post has to be so guided and channeled because it's literally a frequency that's going from non-physical and get it in, embedded into something. Even if it's a platform like Instagram, that frequency is literally coming through and in embedding into that platform Mm. so it's so important that we stay true to that and we stay integral with that and um one of the uh most profound aspects of the divine masculine is divine right action which is essentially doing what you're guided when you're guided to do it and nothing else I love that. I love that so much because I think us women as multitaskers can be doing everything that we're guided to do all at the same time and nothing actually gets done because of that. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part, you're brilliant at it. I mean, let's be honest. You guys <laughs> are absolutely brilliant at that. And I sit back and I'm like, I don't know how that's possible because I'm like one thing at a time or else you don't lose me. But yeah, to witness the feminine do that, the chaos that then turns out into this grand masterpiece, I'm just like, I don't even know how that's possible. Is that better? Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought I was like under alien attack or something. Oh, no. I, it was just like, says I was like, if this is happening on my end and I've switched microphones, like there is something really strange. I don't know if you'll be able to hear it in the recording because maybe it was just on my Yeah, I don't know. We'll soon find out. Oh I'll have God. to. <laughs> I wonder. That's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. 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 Just some alien came over and channeled through me to talk to the other alien. <laughs> I don't know. It was more like that than not. I was, <laughs> of course, I wasn't speaking that, but I was certainly thinking and feeling that. Yeah. Really? <laughs> beautiful we'll wrap up anyway because it's nearly the hour sure. but i've loved having you on so much today it's mm. been amazing i think we've spoken about so many things that are so 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 important for men and women and i really feel like the call for women as well in the world is to have compassion for our men with the feminist movement mm. we can be so Damn it, like pushing our men down while we're trying to rise and not understanding that we can rise together. We're all the same and we can rise together and hold space as one because it doesn't help to push the other person down no matter what sex they are. Mm. 100%. And mm. it's only ever we have to do it together because that's the plan, that's the design. Mm. And it's only ever the you know, the battle of sexes or the way that we relate to each other externally in the world, men and women, is only ever a reflection of where we're at, the balance of masculine mm -hmm. within ourselves. And where we're going, both for men and women, is to be fully balanced. If you came here as a woman, you came to be more embodied in the feminine than in the masculine. So it might be 80-20, it might be 70-30, it could look like any percentage for any person, because it's unique to each one of us. But we came here to have balance and we can't do that without each other. We just can't. It has to be something that we do together. And um, yeah, that's something to embrace that we're definitely starting to. And it's primarily getting played out within divine union now. So it's like being on the leading edge of that merging of masculine, the balancing of masculine and feminine. I love it. Let's rise together. Let's hold each other, space for all of each other, not just the feminine or the masculine. Everyone is one. Um, and understand each other more yeah beautiful thank you so much today michael i cannot wait to share and have it open for everyone and all the details for everyone to connect with you will be available on the show notes and on the episode notes and everything like that too awesome. beautiful thank you, so much. thank you for having thank you so much delightful time just getting to so i so appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to that and thank you so much to Michael for connecting with me, for spending time and spending time with all of us to share his message. So excited for his book to come out. If you're interested in connecting with him, all the details, like I said previously, are available in the show notes. Uh, I really encourage you to do so and to get your men involved into watching this, whether it be your sons, your partners, your friends, follow him along. Um, his mission is mighty and so it's so important that the more we share it, the more it gets out there and we rise each other up. Hey, yes, all of us. There is enough for all of us. We, we help each other lift up. Once again, if you're interested in connecting, check out the website for all the things I've got coming up. And I love you all. Much light and lunar love to you all this beautiful week. Um, and I cannot wait to connect with you next week. Okay. Wow, yeah, there's so many songs about rainbows. What song the other side? Rainbows are visiting.
but not only values in the rainbows have nothing to hide. Why are there so many songs about rainbows and what song do you I just did it wrong. <laughs> I did.